Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. If living in the Bay Area makes you feel anxious with your long commute, your high rents, and deciding what to recycle or not, try bringing all that to the classroom. I would get so stressed out and I'd have like panic attacks all the time. And my panic attacks were like, just me like kind of hyperventilating and crying. That was like a bi-weekly occurrence probably. About a third of teenagers have been or will be affected by anxiety in their lifetime. That's according to the National Institute of Mental Health. And this can have serious consequences for how students learn. We're going to hear about some of these consequences in the new season of KQED's education podcast, MindShift. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. So this year, we actually reached out really early in the year to our audience on social media, Twitter and Facebook, and we asked parents and teachers to tell us what they are most concerned about. Katrina Schwartz is co-host of KQED's MindShift podcast, now in its fourth season. MindShift is a show about the future of learning. And when Katrina and Sung put the word out to their audience, asking what concerns they have about schools and learning, Katrina says the word anxiety kept coming up. It was crazy how many people in my own life have a child or a niece or a nephew or someone they know who's actually really struggling with this issue themselves. So I think it really struck a nerve with people. It's got to be really hard for anybody to open up to talk about what makes them anxious. Sometimes it could be a lot of different things. So how did you find students to talk to you about their anxieties? You know, there's it's a funny thing. I actually tried to report an episode on anxiety a year ago, and I ran into this wall where I kept reaching out to counselors and therapists, and they couldn't actually share their clients' information with me because of confidentiality. And so I ended up kind of dropping the story. I didn't have enough time to do it. But then this time, um, we do this thing at KQED called the Youth Takeover, where students pitch us on ideas, Mm -hmm. and they can sometimes get their radio stories on the air. And there were a ton of pitches about anxiety. And I reached out to those kids because I figured they would be willing to talk about this, and they were already raising it as a really important issue to them. One of them was Brianna Cedillo, who when I met her, she was a senior at El Cerrito High School. She's 18. And she had been struggling with depression and anxiety since middle school. Everything kind of started with the depression and anxiety after the passing of my grandfather. All this upheaval happening in her life, and it led to this downward spiral. I get to school, go through my classes. I don't answer questions that I know because people will stare, and I don't like when people stare. Um, and then I get home and it's like there's just something that goes off and the anxiety kind of kicks in. Everything that I did that day, the way I pronounced something, the way I did something, the way I walked. 
Brianna somehow managed to keep all those feelings under control until she got home, where she felt safe. By then, everything she'd been bottling up all day came spilling out. And then I started thinking about my mom. My mom needs, like, she needs better, and I should be doing this, and I'm not doing it. And then I started to panic, and then it's like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to disappoint my mom, and then, and then I can't breathe, and then I get shaky. I, and I end up, like, on a, in a ball on the floor, um, just trying to get my breathing back on track. It made me ache to think of Brianna feeling so fragile, fighting to hold herself together so no one would see her pain, so no one would be burdened by her emotions. Four generations living in her house, but she was good at hiding. And she would have kept on like that, except something really scary happened. There was a shooting right outside Brianna's house. It was like in my front yard. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. She was terrified. But looking back, she thinks there was a hidden silver lining. I realized that I wanted to be alive. The next day, Brianna went to school as usual. Her first class was biology with Miss Burks. She doesn't remember what they were studying that day because for the first time, Brianna cracked at school. I ended up having a, a panic attack and the teacher in that class brought me here. And that's how I got help. The teacher brought her to the James Morehouse Project, the school's wellness center. I wasn't necessarily looking for any help. I wasn't even sure that I'd come back. Brianna is lucky her school has a place like the James Morehouse Project. It's named after a now-retired staff member who prioritized deep relationships with kids. And so then when you had the panic attack in class and your teacher brought you here, had you like known about the center or like ever thought of coming here before? Oh yeah, I, I knew about it, but I had never like wanted the help, so I didn't come. In California, the average school has one counselor for 700 students. But the James Morehouse Project offers almost a third of the student population some type of counseling each year. That's because it runs a large internship program for social workers. All those extra adults make a big difference. I'm very, like, grateful for the moment, I guess. I mean, it was horrible, but then, like, that's also the moment that saved my life. Kids at El Cerrito High are dealing with a lot. There's trauma and stress from growing up in poor and violent neighborhoods, fear about what's happening in the immigration system, and all the normal family stuff and social drama that all kids deal with. Can I get a visitor pass? I'm going to visit the James Morehouse Center. It's mid-morning on a Thursday at El Cerrito High. Um, I'll just follow you. It's the time when the James Morehouse Project Anxiety Group meets in the Annex, a small room with a table and a whiteboard. The walls are covered with inspirational quotes and brainstorms left over from other groups. There are some snacks for munching, popcorn and water. So now we're going to move off a little bit of the writing that we did last week. Um, Students are allowed out of class for groups like these, but not too often. They're scattered around a worn table, some nervously toy with papers in front of them. Others stare straight down when they're asked to talk. Um, and as we've talked about today, we're moving more into sort of coping skills and responses to anxiety. One student, Danny, 
reads what they wrote about recognizing their anxiety. I feel fight or flight instincts, shaky hands, or a tight chest. I can tell it's coming by the way it sounds like a ticking clock and feels like suffocation. The two social work interns who run this group, Rachel Kropaniski and Forrest Novak, are teaching students to recognize the signs of anxiety and send them back to class with skills to cope. It uses words like failure, disappointment, and not enough. The social workers started this group because they noticed many students felt alone in their anxiety. I mean, it's isolating to be anxious. Nina Kaiser, an independent therapist who works with a lot of anxious kids, says it's common for kids to feel like they're the only ones struggling. Roughly 30 percent of teenagers are having a really significant experience with anxiety, right? So people who are struggling are not alone in that, but often can really feel that way. But I've got good news for you. She says psychologists have a pretty good idea of how to treat anxiety. That's why she likes working with anxious kids. You can see huge changes in functioning that are really rewarding as a professional. So we're going to break it down for you. Anxiety affects how your body feels as well as your thoughts. Therapy can be very effective at treating both your thinking patterns and the reactions they produce. So your brain is constantly scanning your environment looking for danger. It's true for all of us, right? Every single one of us. Um, but when you are experiencing anxiety, that part of your brain, it's, it's almost like an alarm or a smoke detector, right? That goes off more frequently. And when your brain senses danger, it triggers the fight or flight response. All of us have smoke detectors at home, right? Sometimes they go off when there's a fire. Sometimes they go off when you're cooking hamburgers, right? And so if you're having anxiety, it's it's like that part of your brain is, is um, you're getting a lot of false alarms. In the El Cerrito Anxiety Group, the social workers want students to recognize when they're getting a false alarm so they can tell themselves a different story. Here's Danny again, this time sharing how they can view their anxiety differently. When anxiety uses words like not enough or they hate you, I replace those words with helpful and remind myself that I'm worthwhile and productive. Even though anxiety tells me I'm useless and lazy, I know that I'm really focused and artistic. And I hear some common themes from the anxiety group students. Overthinking, negative thoughts, fear of judgment, difficulty getting through simple tasks. What do you wish your parents or teachers knew about anxiety? And what do you want them to know about supporting you when you feel anxious? Even if you're, like, doing the bare minimum in class and you're, like, barely passing, like, a lot of people with anxiety are still working really hard. Just doing one little assignment can be really hard. It's not something you can really grow out of because it's always going to be there. Pronouns, it would be nice if they asked because I'm always too scared to go up to the teacher and talk to them about it or say it out loud in class. El Cerrito High School is not typical. Often kids don't get this much help. Adults in schools, the teachers and administrators are just as overwhelmed and burned out as the kids. They don't have time or brain space to figure out the individual needs of the hundreds of kids that pass through their classrooms each day. I know that El Cerrito High School is a rare example for how schools are helping students with anxiety, 
But do you know how common is it for schools to treat students for anxiety? I mean, it's almost all schools have counselors and they're definitely treating students for their issues, including anxiety. And I think one of the reasons that this episode and reporting on this has been really powerful is that people are saying like, yes, people are dealing with this and they're dealing with it for like a lot of reasons. It's everything from academic pressure to athletic pressure to like immigration stuff or violence in their neighborhoods. It's, it crosses socioeconomic lines. And I think counselors are feeling overwhelmed. There's a lot of kids dealing with this and not very many counselors to deal with it, which is what makes the James Morehouse Project unique. So you introduced us to Brianna, who went to the James Morehouse Project, and it sounds like she was someone who benefited from the type of help that it provides. How, do you know how she's doing now? Yeah, she's actually doing really well. She um, went to counseling for about a year and really got over some of her depression. She's feeling a lot better, and she kind of has some tools to handle her anxiety. And she's heading to Contra Costa Community College. Actually, I think she starts like this week. Was there anything unique to the responses that you got from parents and teachers that was unique to the Bay Area? There were a lot of pitches from students in the South Bay around anxiety. Do you know why the South Bay? Well, I think the South Bay has a lot of communities that are a little bit more affluent, and there's a lot of pressure on kids to go to top-notch schools. And also within that, I spoke to one student, for example, who was feeling a lot of pressure from her immigrant family because, you know, they had moved here and done well, and now she was expected to do well. And the doing well is very narrowly defined. And so I think students feel a lot of pressure because of that. What other types of episodes are we going to be seeing this season? Well, one thing I'm really excited about, one of the episodes that's my favorite, is actually about a school that is really tackling issues of race and privilege and power in first grade classrooms. So it was pretty cool to hear both the teacher's philosophy and sort of what that sounds like when six-year-olds are grappling with things like, you know, the institutionalized racism that's inherent in the homelessness epidemic that we have in San Francisco. Oh, wow. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. Katrina, thank you so much. Thank you. Katrina Schwartz is co-host of KQED's MindShift podcast. You can subscribe to MindShift on all the podcast apps, including Spotify, NPR One, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find a link to the show in our episode notes. That's it for The Bay. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Talk to you Friday. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.